Um, is there anything that this film touches on that you really don't want to talk about that's upsetting to you or that you're worried about? Just to no, cover not, that? No, not okay. today. Yeah. Okay. The like, I hate Helen Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that would be fine because she's not in the film. Yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> yeah, I did say Helen Mirren. That's not who it is, is it? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I'd love Helen Mirren in this. It's <laughs> like a counter to Meryl Streep's character. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, a nice sort of grandma Helen Mirren that keeps Andy going. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be, that'd be cute. Oh, um, right, Dan, whenever you're ready. Cool. Hello? You're not putting your on air. Sorry. <laughs> You're not putting your on air light on. No, it's because it doesn't do anything. Like it just goes blurry. No, it's great. You can't read it. <laughs> it's yeah, I'll incredible. Leave it. But what if that stranger comes into your house? Oh yeah, he will, he will notice <laughs> <it> quiet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Hello and welcome to Hey, I loved that movie, the podcast where we rewatch the films we loved when we were younger to see if they still hold up. I'm Dan. I'm Michael. And I'm Helena. And for this episode, we have a very special guest joining us this week. It's Molly, aka Strange Capers from TikTok. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Hey, welcome. Hi, yeah. thanks, thanks for joining Thank us. So much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, which movie have you brought to us today, Molly? You guys have been so kind to entertain the movie that I've brought today, which is The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, I love this film so much. The intro music. <laughs> yeah, the intro music. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I was trying to think what song is it, but it's Hey, she's a beautiful world, it's a beautiful world. <laughs> it's early 2000s <laughs> indie pop. <laughs> it's yeah. Lovely. And I hadn't heard that song in a long time, but I knew every word. Yeah. Yeah, it but... lives in the back of your head. It's not mm. going anywhere. It's never <laughs> left. <laughs> Thank you so much for picking this film. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this one for a while. I, w I was really pleasantly surprised that you guys wanted to do this film because I thought, oh, I think, um, I wonder if the movies that are nostalgic for me are from a different time and place. <laughs> and um, I've, I've decided to talk about this because it, it was such a cultural phenomenon. And also, I think, has some really some stuff in it that does not hold up at all. No. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a real roller coaster of oohs and ahs, <laughs> sort of in equal measure. So, so what is your what is your I guess yeah nostalgia your, your emotional connection to this film because it's it's two thousand and six, is it? Yeah, two thousand six, which makes it. Too old. Don't mention. No, it. no, don't we do don't. It. We don't actually. Don't you know, do not this episode. We're not going into the actual I'll age. I'll out myself. I was in a college uni or university when this movie came out and I was studying theater and I, you know, so desperately wanted to live in New York City and be a part of, you know, I see. the New York City cultural scene. I was just so blown away at the time by, to be honest, the clothes, the clothes are unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, they look a little silly now, but in still in a very beautiful way. It's clearly I mean, like a very expensively costume. Yeah. Ultimately, it is Anne Hathaway, which does a lot of the heavy lifting for the outfits. Yes, yes. Um, she is gorgeous, just throughout. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was tries to portray her as like not at the beginning. Yes, like, oh, really? she's was <laughs> like, I'm not buying that. She's still Halle beautiful. Yeah, it's like. No, it's still Harry. The film is trying desperately to tell you this is not an attractive person, and you're like, is it? <laughs> oh, she, well, she doesn't like fashion. 
Allegedly, she spent time throughout the filming of the movie losing weight. I mean, that's such a huge plot point in the movie is that mm, she's allegedly yeah. overweight at a size at a U.S. size six, uh, which is a is- ten for England, just about. Is that right? Yeah, I looked it up because I figured it was it was going to come out. Yeah, and for the boys, that's a small <laughs> to medium. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> when when I rewatched it, um, I. Something else I was really struck by is how much of this movie I ended up actually living. You know, I ended up living in New York City. I worked as an assistant um, in a lot of different <laughs> roles. I, I did a lot of work as an assistant in Wall Street at he- various like hedge oh, funds. Wow. Um, and so there there's just is a lot of it is just so true it is so terrifying to work for those kinds of bosses those kinds of bosses are everywhere like the frenzy of meeting crazy demands like i remember going into an office of a guy i was working there for the one day and the guy called me in his office was like i need to be in paris tomorrow i need this i need this you know and you just sort of were like i'm, I'm gonna throw myself out this window i don't know how to do this <laughs> and oh wow proper wall street I guess like yeah, their name carries the power to be able to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, Especially oh, the hedge person. funds. Yeah, um, that like the whole this whole thing of her job being so in demand that yeah. there's yeah. you know there's a hundred girls that would take her place and that there, there's absolutely no employment stability for her at all. Um, yeah. Is really yeah Terrible. intense. But I I was wondering yeah because obviously you're you're American you I, I know you're not from new york but you did move you did live in new york for a long time yeah. how does the how does it feel like it captures the city side of it you know it certainly captures um what i would call you know the midtown manhattan uh hustle and bustle like what you're seeing is not where people live <laughs> um in new york city i mean eight million people plus live in new york city but not in <laughs> you know something that really struck me is that film largely takes place in the fashion district which is kind of dumpy like i mean a hundred years ago it's where all of the you know fabric houses were um and now it's it's where it's shot is not where these um high fashion offices are like vogue is in the new world trade center downtown um it's sort of not the the movie is is making nostalgia of a place that doesn't actually exist anymore oh yeah Um, okay yeah. yeah Yeah, we get that a lot with, um, tends to be a lot of times films, like, especially if there's bits that are supposed to be in different museums or something in England, I find that they'll have a completely different outside compared to what is inside of, of that museum, because yeah. some of them look really nice and some of them are just big squares. So. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, I had one job in, in a, working as an assistant um, in a building in New York City that's on 57th Street that coincidentally is the building that has Chanel's New York offices in it. And and I do remember seeing the women that work there, you know, getting on the elevator. And they do look like that. They look like those girls that were in the, you know, the movie in the runway office, Giselle Bündchen and all that, you know. Is Runway a real magazine or is it made up for the film? I, I couldn't remember. And I, I, I could have looked it up, but chose not to. It's all modeled on Vogue magazine. Oh, um, yeah. And, okay. it, yeah, and Meryl Streep's character yeah. is modeled after um, Anna, Anna Wintour. Wintour. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. This film is based on a book about, about in air quotes, about Vogue. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of Anna Wintour's 
ex-assistants wrote it, and it was a sort of not official tell-all about what it was like to work for Anna Wintour. She has come out and said that, like, Anna Wintour has said, oh, none of it's real, it's all over the top and lies and all that stuff, and everyone's kind of too afraid to (laughs) correct her. If you say so! She's a a wonderfully, incredibly powerful person. Quite brave of the assistant, then. Well, ex-assistant. Oh, yeah. Um, and then through yeah. rewatch, I was researching just kind of like the history of the making of the movie, and apparently they the movie makers had a lot of trouble getting people in the fashion industry to cooperate with the movie because they were so oh, scared wow. of yeah. Anna Wintour's, uh, you know, um, that she would retaliate <laughs> against them. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's so funny that she that like she's just reinforcing all these stereotypes about yeah, her in, <laughs> even in the production of the movie that's allegedly not even about her yeah and apparently the movie is listening to someone talk about it, the movie is a lot friendlier to uh like the anna wintour character than the book is like the book is mm-hmm. apparently really like horrible and it's not about so the film is about how uh the assistant becomes a sort of she admires the animental character by the end. The book is not that. It is the opposite, where she hates her and it's why she left. So yeah, even with the film being nice to her, they're like, we don't want to touch it with a stick, <laughs> please. That's fascinating, because yeah, there's a mm. lot like the... Yeah, the fashion in it is... Re- I, I really enjoyed that aspect, watching it this time. Yeah. Having, ex- I was expecting far more 2000s yikes. Mm. Than than you see, there, there's some hats, there's some questionable hats, but I think if it's just the hats, you're getting off really lightly. A, a huge amount of, from what I remember reading, there's a huge amount of the budget went on buying actual, the actual clothing that they're talking about is what they're wearing. So it, it's like actual Gucci, it's actual Prada. It's nice. not like a, a we got right something well. that looks kind of like it. They spent a huge amount, which like I love, I love when a film really cares about the thing that it's about if that makes sense mm-hmm. like when a fashion film really cares about the fashion and does it properly uh i, I love that yeah really it, it is at the end of the day i do think it is a movie about clothes yeah. you know yeah. um and it, it would god it would be such well okay so um talking about um, investing in what the thing is about. There is a musical version of A Devil Wears Prada that's been adapted. Um, it oh, wow. it just had a run, its first run in Chicago, um, music by Sir Elton John and lyrics by uh, Shana Tal, who's a woman I know, which is amazing. Um, and it got quite a challenging um, reception. And I think it's because it's Movies are such a visual media, yeah. and I think you can make a movie about clothes. And I don't know that you can make theater. Of, it's just so about clothes, you know. It's such a different medium. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I think that's. I I guess like wearing a Prada jacket on a theater stage isn't as it doesn't. It just looks like a jacket from that far, unless you really know what you're looking for. Yeah, who could tell? Well, you can have a nice close-up on on camera. I was going to say, did this movie change? Like, did your the way you perceive this movie change? Watch rewatching it. When was when was sort of the last time you watched it versus for watching it for this podcast? What a great question! It must have been very long ago that I'd watched it. Like maybe 
maybe 10 years. And I think what really changed, certainly um, the culture has changed a lot in terms of phobia and what we um, allow and don't allow in, in culture. Um, but maybe we'll get to that in a minute. I think something I was really shocked at my changing attitude about it is is the, you know, Meryl Streep's character and Anne Hathaway's character, they are, there's kind of like feminist icons in different ways. And the feminism of it now just feels so much more complicated. Like the Miranda Priestly character, it just feels like such a second wave feminist figure of like, I get ahead by eliminating everything feminine about me. I, I've become the most masculine stereotype I can be of like, you know, I'm the head bitch in charge and um that's how I get ahead and Anne Hathaway's character aspires to this she idolizes this and as you say Mikey at the end she respects her but turns a different way you know and that's so complicated now I feel like we have different ideas of you know feminism in the workplace now yeah I yeah. think that Miranda Priestly character is probably one of the most interesting characters in a lot of films that I've, in like the vast majority of films that I've watched because she's so empathetic and well she you can be very sort of com- compassionate to her because yeah she relinquishes everything about her life to do her job and you to yeah you can say you can argue you can definitely argue that she lets go of everything feminine but also she works in the fashion industry like it's a really strange um sort of thing where it's like she she very much acts like a man in the workplace and the workplace is a sort of female woman's role like it's it's a woman's in quote unquote woman's industry it's not it's mostly owned by men but it's sort of viewed as a feminine industry and even there it's like she she has to let go of a lot of her femininity to be the boss it's really interesting well traditional femininity yeah and the things that get in the way are things that are so outside of her control like her age which like they they point out would not be a problem if she was a man yeah and her um her children which is you know arguably a very you know feminine thing to have to protect is that she's saying it's the you know the newspapers i want to i don't they can say whatever they like about me but what you know what they're going to say about my children yeah, um, it's it's such a beautiful trick of the script writing that they get you to they engender all this empathy for this character that is yeah. but she's also know, vile. Abusive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> horrible. Yeah, like the the, she, the times you do get the slight glimpses into her life when she is kind of like, you know, towards the end having like a bit of a breakdown and getting quite upset about things, but then she's immediately just like nope, suck it up, carry on kind of Yeah. She, she kind of gives herself a moment to feel whatever she has to and then she's like right back to the job i guess i can't yeah i can't risk i can't afford yeah not have i can't afford having emotions right now or ever yeah, yeah. and i suppose really? a lot of i mean you know even these days people like like you say would be like women can't do this job because they're too emotional and it's like fuck mm. off men are way worse for that kind of yeah. thing <laughs> um, we just decided that male uh, men's emotions aren't 
real emotions. No, exactly. Mm. <laughs> They're good. Yeah, emotions. anger's not an emotion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anger's um, the baseline. What do you mean? <laughs> the, the, the movie doesn't actually have anything to say about how Miranda treats people. I mean, it's delicious how badly she treats them. And, and you know, as you say, maybe in the book, it was more securing of her, you know, but like Anne Hathaway's character wins in the movie by adopting Miranda's traits, by screwing over her friend who wants to go to Paris, you know, and it says like to win in a man's world, you have to shed feminine traits of cooperation, et cetera, whatever, and adopt masculine ones. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting that it's a sort of, I don't know that you could make a movie today that didn't didn't skewer this character, you know? Yeah. And to this feminist end, um, Anne Hathaway's character, you know, she like falls into a lot of traps in like female stories. Like she, um, when she starts taking her job very seriously, she immediately gets criticized socially she her friends don't like her her boyfriend is mad you know that um which is not something we hold men to ever you know the taking your job we wouldn't we don't often show men taking a job extremely seriously and talking about like well and this is how much it costs them to do that you know yeah what's also interesting is when when she is criticized for her job it's because her job is fashion and fashion is silly like yeah yeah and um, it's not a proper yeah. She she wants to be a journalist. Why is she doing this? Even though it's if journalism <laughs> these days. If someone said, "Oh, I'm the assistant for the head, the 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 CEO of Vogue," you'd be like, "Well, bloody hell, well done you!" Like, yeah, obviously yeah. that's a career. That's that's a great career move. No matter what your actual long term goal is, not you know, I I don't want to. I know you said you've been an assistant. I don't want to dismiss that. I would dismiss assistants in general, but most people don't set out as like. I want to be an assistant. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It's normally, it is a stepping stone. It's because you're, you know, you're learning so much by having to do so much for someone more in a higher up the ladder than you. um, People that do want to be assistants and that's their life. They're very good at it and very scary people in my experience. Like the people, they are people that can get stuff done and done before you ask it needed being done. So like Stanley Tucci Uh, in this film. Yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> they're incredible people. When you meet someone that organised, couldn't have it. Couldn't yeah, it. terrifying. But she also they start at the start when she's saying, "Okay, um, she she gets this job. She's like, I've got to stick it out a year. That's all yeah. I've got to do, and then I can do what I can get a job that in something I actually yeah. want to do." Which is so common for people just starting yeah. out, and she's just graduated. This is pretty much this is like yeah. her first job, basically. That isn't. Yeah. You know, in this, I assume, like in the service industry, or just you know something very, and you know, this is the first proper. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing hands things on a podcast yeah. again, <laughs> quote unquote proper job. So relatable, so relatable. <laughs> it's um, and like you know, my first job and most people's first jobs is not what they want to do, but you have to have a job to get a job most of the time, and it all yeah. sort of leads somewhere. And this idea that she's i mean heaven forbid starts to enjoy her job it's like how dare she how dare she do something hard time consuming and at some points fun and with perks it's like she's she's really her friends in the same in the same scene are thanking her for her gifts and then getting really cross when her really man like 
her awful boss yeah. rings her and it's like no she said this was going to happen this this lady has a reputation she's doing it for a year it's not been a year yet what the fuck do you expect's going to happen <laughs> like stick it out and it like her boyfriend goes from being like oh you know this is great great opportunity for you oh, i'm sorry it's so stressful i'm going to support you make you grilled cheese sandwiches and tell you that you're beautiful to how dare you miss my birthday like you said you were going to be there and your boss has this habit of like ruining our plans but i'm still going to hold it against you because you're the one that's doing the job you said you were going to do and it's like what does he yeah. what 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 did they think it was going to be like and it's like they all her friends break these promises that they've made to her that they're going to understand and they just, and then as soon as the going gets tough, they don't care. They're not there for her, and it's um, it's so isolating mm. for her when she's. And it, I remember like there's that scene where she's like she's talking to is name is name Marcus in it, the yeah uh, the designer yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't remember. I'm not good with names. No, <laughs> ever, absolutely ever. And um, but she's saying, oh, you know, my my relationship's going up in smoke, and he's like, well, you know. Um, wait, well, wait until your whole life's destroyed, and that's probably when you do a promotion. Nigel. Okay. Nigel. <laughs> well yeah, done. I didn't. I didn't remember that. I just looked on that box. Yeah, <laughs> Nigel. Because I, I, I should know it because one of my favourite scenes is when she goes, Nigel, 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 yeah, and he like we have the makeover scene, which is one of my like, yeah, I love that scene. But yeah, her friends are just. I when I was younger, I remember watching this. And thinking, oh my god, Anne Hathaway's such a bitch, abandoning her friends just to go to work. And now that, you know, yeah. I have a job and a mortgage yeah. and a responsibility, I'm like, what? No, of course she has to go to work. Like, of course she has to do her job. Her job sucks, but it's a means to an end at this point. Yeah. Like, she's, she's set a fairly different, like, definite end. And all she's got to do is stick it out. And, you know, all her friends had to do was stick it out with her for a year. Yeah. And like that's that's not. But, I mean, it feels like a long time when you're a teenager watching it. But as an adult, yeah. I'm like, I do. There's most things I would be able to tolerate for a year to then get you know open doors to whatever I wanted to do yeah. going forward. Yeah, it's like mm. it's not just a job. It's probably one of the best jobs in the city to open yeah. doors. It's her big break, essentially. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> and her friends are like, "Well, this is actually quite inconvenient. Can yeah. you not?" Mm. How dare you affect our life? <laughs> so I, that that was the way it changed me because I I love this. I watched this film a lot. Um, we had this on DVD um, as a kid. It was like one of the like twelve I think working DVDs we had. Um, wow! I remember it because it's got a red. I only remember the the DVDs we had if they had a different color box, and this one had a red yeah. box. But yeah, I really I really enjoyed this. We had the book as well, and I remember the the book was on my bookshelf for a very long time, but I never actually got around to reading it. But yeah, I've watched this so many times and I've always been in love with Anne Hathaway. So that was it's always mm. been an easy sell for me in that respect. But yeah, I think not knowing anything about New York, it it does feel pretty wonderful as well. The way that it's like mm. just everything feels like it's on the doorstep because you don't obviously they don't make you watch the commute because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. It does. Look, and if you if you have an assistant job like that, I had a friend who had an assistant job like that, and he they were not allowed to take the subway because they had to be reachable at all times. Wow! Um, and so, like, there that kind of stuff is, yeah. They don't having the driver the... and the oh, all of that was so the company, cool, but they, the driver, the work ethic though. Just now, as a as an adult who struggles with general, you know, 
fatigue and existing the idea of this always on kind of thing mm. is mm. absolutely insane like yeah. i i work set hours and outside of those hours i'm not on call i'm not working <laughs> right. if you want to reach me you know and it's and it's an emergency uh, I will find out the next day because there is absolutely no emergency that could be to do with work that I would need to know about when I'm not working. Yeah, we have that too, <laughs> but on a on a on a on a much lamer scale, because <laughs> you know, every so often our um our shop gets messages on their Facebook page at about half eleven at night. Have you got this <laughs> uh, particular thing in stock, like this mm-hmm. fish? And I'm like, I'm fish. not there. <laughs> How am I supposed to check? I was you like a power cut might be like an emergency yeah. for you at work because the the fish could die. Yeah, but, but not, for, for me, know, like, oh, what of this have you got in stock at the minute? I'm like, there are so many different kinds. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my manager my manager has has my personal number for in case I'm off sick, hmm. so yeah. that I can wow. I can text her, I can WhatsApp her to say I'm off sick, so I don't have to call in if I'm too ill to call and that's it like if she contacted me outside of work like it's so inappropriate it's such a different culture whereas like yeah y'all are blowing my mind especially (laughs) if you paid for it as well oh yeah so like i had a job i I was due to have a job i never actually got it because i decided to you know well get had a small accident instead of going to work for a while but the yeah that was i would have been on call overnight staying in a residential home for people with deaf blindness hmm. um so it wasn't i wasn't paid full living i wasn't paid like the full rate like hourly hmm. rate wage but you were paid like night like a night subsidy basically so you'd stay over you'd sleep in a bed there and you don't you'd get paid your hours if something happened in the night that you had to wake up for but for the most part the night shift that were paid the night shift wages they were there it was just if they needed an extra pair of hands if there was an emergency and one of them had to go to hospital or something and that, ha- and I remember thinking at the time, like, well, that's so stingy, but like that it's not just like, you still have to be there. You're physically somewhere else. You're not at home. Mm. And then you see these jobs where it's like, she's called at any time she's waking. I'm like, I don't know how many hours she's doing. It seems like she's there more like, like 80 hours sort of hmm. it's crazy. And full time in the UK is 40 hours. And if you're doing more than that, like a There's lot of the time you have protection. to, yeah, there's a lot of protection. You kind of have to sign a disclaimer to say that you're okay with it. That's amazing. I just, even like my first job was not, it was, you know, entry level, not first job, but like my, my first big girl job, um, after uni was, it was not very much. I don't want to date the podcast by saying how much it is in case, you know, in 10 <laughs> years time people are like, um, but that's optimistic. That is quite optimistic. Um, <laughs> like I was working, it was 37 and a half hours. And yeah, I was not expected to work outside of that. And like, if you send emails outside of working hours, I would get like, my manager would check in and be like, you okay? Why were you checking your emails? Mm. Like, don't, you don't need to do that. And it just seems absolutely mad. I I know that there's like startups in London and that, that probably have similar crazy work ethics, but for, I'd say the majority of the UK, people don't work like that. And it just... Ugh. Like as a as a child, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." She's so like, uh in in the thick of it. But now I'm like, "That's awful." Where are her hobbies? Yeah, and the movie really glorifies it, right? Like at the at yeah. the end, 
Anne Hathaway, you're meant to feel like she needed to have that experience so that now she can go and work for this newspaper. So there's no criticism of this at all in the movie. No, it's very hy- hyper-capitalist, like, yeah. <laughs> people are work grunts to... Because uh, even Miranda's at the absolute top, and her criticisms are she's not dedicating enough time to her family. She, You know, her husband leaves her because he's he never sees her. Which, you know what, I think is, is fair in the husband's defence. Like, if you don't ever see someone, yeah. you don't, you're not really with them. But yeah. if you're earning that much money, you're the CEO of a company... Like, cut your hours. Oh, sorry. Head editor? Yeah. Editor-in-chief? It's at the top, but it's not at the top business-wise. It's at the top. Yeah, she doesn't own the company, does she? Because that's owned by the other guy that she has to essentially blackmail to keep a job. Her one and only boss. Um, The only person above her. But, yeah, like, why... Yeah, I can understand, like, editor is, is a big, important job, and that's why it pays the big bucks, but that should come with, like, a lot of like a holiday and like americans just don't seem to no offense this is generalizing (laughs) you don't seem to have very much holiday in the states well that's not that's not the fault of americans (laughs) oh (laughs) i wasn't saying that that's what you all choose (laughs) 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 but it's yeah it's wild i only know this because i used to work for a, a technically global company and like we, we, I was doing the same job as someone else in the who had an equivalent role in the states, and like we had such different benefits, mm. and it was absolutely like things like having limited amounts of sick days and stuff like that, which just yeah. isn't. I mean, you can get told off and written up and stuff for taking too many sick days in the UK, but like there's a big process you have to go to to, and you kind of have to. If you can't prove that you were sick, that's an issue. But if you were sick, they're not allowed to like fire you. Yeah, American culture is really um, obsessed with the idea that, like, to the winner goes the spoils, that if you work harder than everyone else and you sacrifice more than anyone else, that you will, you will be the most prosperous, <laughs> you know, it's, it, and that really goes back to, I mean, that's really deeply rooted in our culture from, like, the Puritanism that the country was founded on, um, it's it really runs really deep, you know, the idea that we should protect our own and create things like leave, maternity leave, uh, worker protections. You know, the U.S. is an extremely anti-union country, and movies like The Devil Wears Prada really forward this idea and that you know, it yeah, you know, it, if, if you're smarter, get... faster, you get a, you get everything. Yeah, 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 and it's like she's got to work hard, but she's then expected to apply that work ethic. She doesn't learn that Miranda's job is awful and she shouldn't want anything like it. It's <laughs> that she, she's like, Miranda's job is awful and I want to be the equivalent of her in a more respectable yeah. industry. Yeah. Like, it's, I want to be yeah. I want to be editor-in-chief of the Telegraph. Well, not the Telegraph, but... Well, did they have a Telegraph in America? I assume it's a... Telegraph, no. I no. mean... Yeah. Well, similar. Uh, New York Times would be a good one, <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> who, what, who reads newspapers? That's one thing that is a bit like, okay, journalism. And magazines as well now. But, I mean, Vogue, I think, yeah. is still going Vogue pretty is, strong. Yeah. Vogue, Vogue, <laughs> um, this was certainly before, I mean, the internet had exploded. Facebook existed, but social media, as we know, it didn't exist at the time. And there was, you know... Print media was still alive and well at this time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and... uh, well, one piece of like elder millennial tech nostalgia I have for this movie is Anne Hathaway walks in and she has a paper portfolio of like clippings from her paper, you know, like that she has to show. And I remember. Yeah, and they're mounted to... on black card. It's so cute. Yes. Yeah. And when I got to New York City, I made something like this. Oh, because I was like, everyone's supposed to do this. And I remember going into my very first meeting. And this was a few years after the movie came out. But the the person was like, I'm telling you right now, you need to burn this and make a website. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like bringing a printed CV now to an interview. It's like, honey, no. But it's still at this time, it was like, it's still in that in between phase, you know. I I think we're at a point at the other end of that where if you bought in, like, if you were going for a job like that and you bought something like that in, it might look kind of good for you. You might stick out at this yeah. point. <laughs> she has a printer. Yeah, <laughs> and it well, works. Something very, like, <laughs> yes, I, like to, I, I have a printer, but um, it's like fifty-fifty at the moment. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's aging, and I'm just I'm loath to replace it because yeah. you know, who wants to spend money on a printer these days? We use it like oh god, once in a blue moon. Um, I'm, I'm officially, I'm, I'm legally changing my name at the moment, and this is the most I've had to print in <laughs> ages. I, I believe it. I, w- I will not do that. I can't. It's too much. <laughs> it's, it's too much hassle. It, oh, um, it's, and, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not to do with the podcast at all. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, to me, the obvious biggest thing that's aged so horribly is, is the fat phobia in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how How incredibly... I think at the end of the day, incredibly uncritical of um, the fat phobia in the movie. I mean, it's, it's just so kind of like eating disorders don't exist and they're not a phenomenon. And like, and, and anorexia isn't like a isn't a okay. thing. It's <laughs> just not a problem. Like th- this woman who has clearly got an eating disorder just has it as a means to an end. And then when she doesn't need to be thin anymore, she gets to eat pudding. She'll and stop. it's like, yeah. yeah, it'll just stop. It's like a switch. <laughs> it's oh. It's awful. It's, it's, it, it, it has a, it's so weird tonally because you're meant to laugh, but you're mm. not meant to laugh out of satire. You're not meant to laugh out of how um, you're just supposed to, you're just meant to laugh at how frivolous women are. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very misogynistic. Like, this, this, this kind of fat phobia is like, oh, well, the joke is that obviously Emily Blunt is gorgeous and sl- incredibly slim. But what and how age... crazy is she for yeah, she... bending herself to the standard of beauty that we've imposed on her? Her desire <laughs> yeah. to yeah. live up to yeah. my dreams of her makes <laughs> her frivolous. Like yeah. you just can't, you can't that, win in that circle. That's her fault. It's her fault she's doing this. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Why would she want to be that thin? Oh yeah, yeah. because you know, the only clothes that will fit her that we've designed and put in the magazines are for girls that are women that are that thin. And Anne Hathaway's. They call her fat. <laughs> like, what does Mar- Miranda describes her as the, um, what was it, the she ugly... Says, Take a chance on the smart fat girl. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it was so at the top of culture. Like, like mm. Devil Wears Prada is at the top of the broadest part of culture. And you were able to speak like this, yeah. you know. And, you know, um, recently... This uh, interview that Emily Blunt did, I don't know if you guys saw this on the internet, 
Emily Blunt was on, I think it was the Jonathan Ross show in 2012, and she was giving an, a late night interview and talking about eating at a restaurant in America, and she was talking about her waitress, and she kind of goes on and on about how like disgusting and fat the waitress was. Yeah. Um, and this kind, this thing kind of resurfaced, and she had to come. I mean, in the last six months, and she had to like come out and apologize and be like, "I cannot believe that came out of my mouth. That's not something I believe, et cetera, et cetera." Which I do believe her when she says that, but I think it just shows how incredibly mm-hmm. baked in this all was in culture, how incredibly acceptable it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, we sweep it under the carpet now as well. So many places don't want to even. Like they don't do what Emily Blunt has done now and come out and say this is crazy. They've just pretend it never happened. Yeah, and or, we've we've noticed I, well, I, we've done a lot of you know mid two thousands movies and yeah, mm-hmm. all all that kind of thing is just so like Casual. normal at the time and yeah, mm-hmm. it, it it just it wasn't a, th- a thing. I guess it was just like yeah, that yeah, like that's it's, just how we talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is to Emily Brown's credit, but I know that that has an extra layer on it that's not in the movie. That like that there is a component that um, of talking about Americans. People like to talk about people like to say that Americans are big, and you know, as a point of I don't even know what, but it is like a full stereotype that she's leaning on there that I think plays well to maybe the audience of the Jonathan Ross show. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, 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 potentially. Which he's not is the greatest of people. Even yeah, I was going to say I'm not. I don't. He's a pretty I, awful person. Um, don't watch a great deal of Jonathan Jonathan Ross, but um, yeah, with Emily Emily Blunt, of like when you're is surrounded by that atmosphere. Not only is she in this movie that is incredibly fat, not even. Fat phobic, like eating phobic, like yeah. having any kind of balanced diet phobic. She's also an actress in the mm-hmm. 2000s, which relies on you being incredibly beautiful and incredibly slim without looking like you've had too much work done. And you've also got, I mean, how else do you motivate yourself except for shitting on everyone else? Because you can't do it, you can't eat your feelings. Like the only way to like keep yourself going and motivate it must be to like not just to be like well yeah oh god I don't want to be like her she's chubby and you're looking at Anne Hathaway with not even remotely looking overweight in like by any stretch of the imagination and like I said in in English in UK sizes being a small to medium which by its very nature implies not large yeah. Uh, yeah. we've forgotten we seem to have moved on from this like the race to double zero and the all the like yeah just everyone have like the glorification of eating disorders that we had and this like it's it's really crazy now having grown up like that was what i read in magazines as a like developing child and i saw the yeah. like we i don't know if you have do you have special k in america the cereal not the, not 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 Kermin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we That's have that too. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very British thing as well. <laughs> um, I've tried one of them. You can guess which. <laughs> I really it hope it's. I really <laughs> hope. <laughs> You're like, sorry, I don't have breakfast. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's where we find out you're gluten intolerant. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that special K, I remember the special K diet, which was you have one meal a day and a bowl of spe- and a bowl of special K, or like you replace two of your meals a day with special K, and that yeah. was it. And that was that was your diet, and it's just that's insane. And the doctor on and it was like K's payroll. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, 
To be fair, like, you're not going to eat much when you're knocked out on ketamine, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it is an appetite suppressant. <laughs> I, I had an absolutely horrible time on ketamine, but I had just been hit by a car, so I'm like, yeah, that's, 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 that's probably that's not the best. As far as experimenting goes, like, not, not a, a the funny, best. A funny cultural difference, we would say ketamine. Oh, ketamine. Yeah. That makes it sound so fashionable. I know, ketamine. Yeah. It, so- it sounds like a posh person's name. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Bring ketamine in for dinner. Really <laughs> ketamine. The problem is you get nicknamed Ket, and no one wants Ket. that. Ketty. Yeah, right. No one wants to be nicknamed Ket. Uh, um, well, yeah, ketamine aside, it's a weird... <laughs> it's. I think because... These industries are now trying so hard to go the other way and be like, no, 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 we're the good guys, really. We want everyone to feel good in their skin as long as they are still insecure enough to buy all our clothes and, like, like, you know, wear all our makeup. It feels like a lot of companies kind of say something, like fashion companies and all that. They say something and then they kind of wait for everyone's reaction and then they go... Yes. <laughs> is, Are we kidding? You is, tell me. Like Dove puts out uh, an advert with like every single type of person they can think of, and then there's like a pause of is this an okay advert for us to put out? And then if culture says yes, they keep putting them out. <laughs> yeah, it's like inclusivity. Yeah. It's it's now almost you're almost allowed to in- you can include like fat people and people with disabilities and all of that, but everyone's still photoshopped to yeah. shit and <laughs> all these products are still geared towards you it i mean there's more i guess body positivity yeah now oh, it's, it's definitely better it but de- it's yeah still like, it's still companies trying to work out what they are allowed like what yeah what's the most we can get away with it's like they don't actually care they don't actually want to do yeah, all of this like, stuff they just want to be boxes like can we take to, to make everyone like, oh yeah cool good, good. <laughs> yeah. like women still aren't really allowed to age is what no. i feel like like and if they have work done there's still and men as well yeah. now we're having it's more and more apparent that men are having things like botox and nose jobs and everything that they always were having but now like it's drawn attention to and it's kind of the next thing is that you have to stay perfect your whole life without ever going under the knife, it, but also it, having your photo taken 20 times a day. It feels kind of weird where, like, we were at a point where it was there was so much pressure on women to look a very particular way, uh, and like an impossible way, and men could kind of look like whatever, grey hair, doesn't matter. And for some somehow, it's gone down the route of, well, everyone now has to reach this insane standard instead of how about no one does yeah <laughs> how about no one has to reach <laughs> these standards and people can look how they if they want work done they get work done if they don't they don't it's like, no now everyone has to reach this insane standard and it's like we could be good we could we could collectively decide that that isn't a thing <laughs> we could all just not yeah yeah <laughs> we could all just stop with that for like a minute it'd be great for everyone and a lot of that is probably like like with the rise of a lot of social medias and stuff where it's like you know back oh, yeah. back like in the mid 2000s you're probably only seeing all of these incredibly skinny people and whatever in a bunch of magazines sitting around whereas now it's constant all the time like when you're scrolling yeah. through instagram and all that sort of thing it's it's oh. always there so that's probably you know not helped i, I had a shocking realization the other day when i was at work um where 
the generation with like TikTok and like the generation after us of the TikTok types hmm. um, and like Instagram and all that stuff. As a generation, they're probably the most aware of what they look like. Yeah. Mm. Like no other generation on the planet has been that hyper aware of every single detail of their body because it's constantly being filmed. It's constantly being shown. That sounds horrible. Mm. <laughs> like I struggle to walk past a mirror some days. The idea that like I know I'm going to be somewhere and I'm going to have a hundred phone cameras pointed at me and I just have to be okay with it. Yeah, at least when it was disposable cameras, the resulting oh, well, photos were not good yeah. anyway. And it was good, the best thing about bad cameras, you wouldn't get a good photo of yourself, so you didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, and there's so many steps between Orange. that and someone else seeing it that you can yeah. ve- you can vet and veto everything before oh, they get yeah. seen. I've got brilliant. Fo- I mean, they're still all over Facebook because I was 13 when I got Facebook, and yeah. um. Wow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like there's, there's this gap where it's like there's there's some photos that are definitely scanned in, uh, di- like photos, and then there's photos that are from smartphones. Oh, well, not smartphones, yeah. from uh, flip phones that had cameras, and they <laughs> capture they capture thirteen like perfectly because it's it's really pixelated, it's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> but we're all like the photos are like we're having a good time, we're having fun. Like the poses are really childish and silly. Whereas yeah. I feel like when I see I, I mean, I try not to see 13-year-olds on TikTok because, you know, that's not really any of my business and I, I'm not, please. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the algorithm to not do <laughs> like, that. Algorithm, like, please, this is not, you're not, I don't I don't want to see 13-year-olds dancing to, like, the latest hit or whatever. Yeah, but, is. yeah, they are hyper-aware of how they look and they're posing. It seemed really scary. And it's not just, well, it's not just photos, it's videos, obviously. And like, yeah. how do you look good in a video like the no whole one time? Good. No one looks good in motion. <laughs> no one. There's a reason cameras, like films cut as much as they do. No one looks good in motion. <laughs> it's such a different relationship to what it means to like, uh, you know, put on artifice and like adorn oneself, you know, which is part of what this movie's about. Yeah. A hundred percent. Sure, we should get back to the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, excellent segue back into the movie. <laughs> Incredible. You're really good at Yeah, you should do this more often. <laughs> well, I was going to say about the movie that I, I really admired at the time, and I still deeply admire, which it is an incredible script. That is an uh-huh. incredible mm-hmm. script. It's it's a pretty short movie. Um, yeah. when, you look at, when you look at what is covered in the amount of time, it's an incredibly efficient script. It it teaches you the language of the world right out the gate. You yeah. you you move from event to event incredibly quick quickly. The cerulean monologue is an incredible piece yes. of writing. Yeah, it's certainly made deeper and richer by the incredible performances. But it mm. is a it is a masterclass in screenwriting. It's an incredible uh, script. So I, when I was at uni, I did a year on screenwriting as like part of my my university. And one of our te- like every teacher was like read this script read this script, read the script i had three tutors that did that i had one that did jaws and the other two were like devil wears prada <laughs> like, wow. read the devil wears prada script it is incredible and like, yeah no i've sat and read the actual like found the script somewhere and read it and wow. yeah it's it's an incredible like piece of art as a script and a lot of it i found out with um miranda Priestley with uh, Meryl Streep's character, she was very different when it was originally written, mm. and Meryl Streep did a lot of that. 
but she added mm-hmm. a lot of like the character stuff to Miranda Priestly, which I think is really cool. There's a lot of Amazing. scenes that were added. Like one of my favorite scenes, just because of where it sits in the film, is where the main like Anne Hathaway's character just isn't in it, and it's when they're sat down talking about what's going to be in the next year. Yeah, and it's such a short scene and very little happens, but it explains so much of like Miranda Priestly's character. Uh, it, is this it, the one where she goes florals for spring, groundbreaking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. her delivery yeah. is iconic, iconic line. Her delivery. One, one of the um, or two of the people in that movie, uh, or sorry, in that scene, um, just plain staffers that have no lines, are incredibly famous New York theater directors. It's wow. fun. Oh, wow. oh cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I love that scene because it introduces like the next stage of the film where Miranda starts to become more. You see her talent. She's not just yeah. a, she's not just an evil bitch. Yeah. Um. Like, in, uh, in that scene, she's terrible. doing a doing it really well. Yeah. She's terrible, but that's what her job needs her to be, and she's very very good at it. Like she she isn't just it isn't just picking out stuff to go in a magazine. Like it isn't just mm. not random. Yeah. It isn't just oh you do you do oranges in summer and you do red and greens. It's it's very specific. And very talented, and it's a lot of skill and forethought goes into it, and that's all that scene is for. And it, you're like, yeah, she's, yeah. It, she has this room full of people who are all specialists at what they do, and she knows the most out in that room, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she understands it the best. And much that... better than it's much better than the scene a bit later when Anne Hathaway's like, mm, I get it, I get it, urban, and it's like the urban jungle photo shoot outside, yeah. and. She then just says the most basic thing <laughs> about it being like oh wild in the in the park or something. It's like okay, like, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> cool, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep keep making uh, the coffees. Speaking of famous quotes from this movie, um, I had forgotten that 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 there's a quote in this movie that is all that was all over TikTok for a time, and it's at the very end where she goes, "What if I don't want to live the way that you live?" And oh. Meryl Streep goes, "Don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everybody wants this." Yeah. And that was everywhere on TikTok yeah. for a long time. I think people still do it, and I forgot that it was from the Devil Wears Prada. There's so many good like little quotes in this that are just nonsense, nonsensical, and like standard alone. Like when she after the makeover and she walks in. And it's the boots line. Mm. It's like, oh, are they the new? It's like, are they the new Prada or something like that? And she's like, yes, yes, they are. And that yeah. I remember being everywhere for such a short <laughs> amount of time. You're like, that's such a weird thing to pick out from this film. And you yeah, TikTok like, good for yeah, good for random lines resurfacing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love. Really I, I do. I do love. Real... Well, I don't love it because it makes me feel old. But when uh, the the kids discover something, and they call and it you're like. Yeah, vintage. Vin- oh, have you seen this like cult classic film. film? And I'm like, that's not cult classic. It's not old enough. <laughs> around long enough. You can't call it that. 2001, and you're like, it's not. It's not vintage. <laughs> and they're like, well, it was before I was born, and I'm just like, shut up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like it's legally blonde, vintage, probably. Oof, I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> um. Yeah, and the the cerulean speech is so mm. good. It's so well. I remember that actually kind of making me think about fashion a bit more when I first watched that. Yeah. I must have been ten, I think, when I watched when I like the first. The, I don't. I don't remember the first time I watched this film, but I remember like I do remember that scene and being like, hmm, I've learned a bit about fashion 
I'm trying to like yeah. <laughs> think in that mind, like, oh, where's this come from? What is this, you know, what is this a reference to? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, people. unfortunately, I still grew up in the <laughs> in the naughty, so my outfits were terrible. <laughs> but maybe they weren't because I saw a girl the other day walking um, towards the university with embroidered bootcut jeans, and I had embroidered bootcut jeans uh, for a lot of uh, my childhood. Back. It's all it's, it's coming, all coming back. You have a fashion coming back. And to your point, Mikey, about Miranda Priestly being just better than everyone, it's like in any movie or story that's about a genius at something, there's always got to be the scene where they show you how much better they are than you could ever be and yeah. how much better they understand it. And that's really in monologue. It's just a perfect example. I mean, it's like an aria. It's like a virtuoso, yeah. you know, it's like a total, it's going mm-hmm. to town. It's amazing. Yeah. The whole the whole Cerulean speech is, is amazing because she is just like Anne Hathaway's character. I can't remember what is it, Anne Hathaway's character was it Andy? Andy, Andy, yeah. Andy. She thinks it's between two belts that, to be fair, do look the same. Yeah, yeah. and the, 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 the lady is like, like it's hard. they're so different, yeah. and it's like the buckles. The costume different. designer nailed it. Well done. Yeah, it was incredible because mm. you you are looking at you are like. No, those are the same. You, yeah, they, they it's look incredible the same. That, yeah. like, as an audience, you're in the mindset of like every audience member. Look, unless they knew fashion, every audience member was like, "Those are the same belt." Yeah. yeah. And as soon as you have that thought, she says it, and Miranda goes, does the speech, and it's the most quietly threatening speech. Oh, it's absolutely cutting. Where she's just like every single, and it is. It's about like you might not find fashion interesting it might not be your thing it's still important to the world like it's still gone through to hundreds of people to get to the bin that you pulled out of that was the best bit it's when she was like from whatever <laughs> yeah. second hand bin you which again yeah. when you talk about like complicated notions of feminism it's mm. an incredibly feminist thing this entire monologue this fashion industry that you think is frivolous that you know she she just shows you how important it is yeah. and yeah. how much money it makes men which is yeah. why it's important. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's an incredible speech. And so, like, I've seen so many videos of people just learnt it off by heart. Yeah. Because it is so. There's something very satisfying about the way she talks, about how calm she is. Yeah. And how how certain she is. There's no like wavering in in her mm-hmm. in what she says. It's incredible. The other thing that in this film I felt hadn't aged well um, is the smarmy dude uh, that Mm. gets her from from the other publication company Mm. and how he ruthlessly pursues her because that is very much the Prince Charming thing of, no, no, keep trying. You'll mm. get the girl eventually, as long as as long as you're persistent, you can wear her down. Yeah, he was such a sleazy yeah. arsehole. I was just like, don't go for this guy; he's going to ruin and, your life. Especially, all right, Dan. The the rest of the film is like, it's going to be hard to be in a relationship. It's weird that they added a relationship. Yeah, and it's and she's also it does that thing that I I find very it's very naughty and very. Well, yeah, very misogynistic is where the woman finally does sleep with the man, which you're kind of made to believe is what is what is supposed to happen the whole time. She's then immediately punished by finding out, literally, while she's still nude and holding the blank the blanket to her chest, that he's a he's a total (laughs) asshole who's like trying to take down Miranda. Yeah, 
Um, and it's like, well, that's, you know, maybe taking down Miranda's not the end of the world, but like Christ, like that's still her boss and that's still her job. Cause you can, you know, you can assume yeah. that you've not got, you're not going to get two peed over and carry on working for the yeah, French yeah. lady. Like your it. job is gone at that point. And it's like this, well, you know, you, you, we told you he was bad and you slept with him anyway. So that's yeah. your fault. You should be with the nice guy that just was really horrible to you about doing your job. And she gets back with him at the end, kind of. Yeah. And that's just like, oh, like, no. Do it, it, that's the Marilyn Monroe thing, but for real, where it's like, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. It's yeah. like, well, that rings true a little bit here because he couldn't handle her when she was going through something really difficult and rough. And he was a total arsehole about it. But like, now that she's moved on from that and it's back to being, oh, the Andy that we all know and love, like, yeah. oh, of course she can, she can come. And that just, at the end, that really wound me up this time watching it. It was like, no, don't like, you don't need either of them. It wasn't a one or the other. (laughs) Find someone who respects you. What a false choice. Yeah, it's, yeah, find someone that is also has a career and has a life. And can do more than make, like, being able to make you a sandwich is not like the be all and end all. Yeah. Of relationships, because what else does he do except shit on her job? Yeah, I do like a good sandwich, though. Oh yeah, I, and he and he is absolutely gorgeous, but you know that's not the point. <laughs> I don't think Anne Hathaway fine. would struggle, even if she is wearing a polyester jumper. You know, <laughs> <laughs> most most people can look past that. Yeah. <laughs> there, like as weird as it is to say, aesthetics are so important to this film the way that everyone mm. looks at all times is and I, that's the whole point of the film is, is like everything is about the way everyone looks it's it's really cool how the film wasn't just like everyone's mm. going to be in fashion all the time everyone's going to be in the greatest clothes and there are these little moments where even like the fashion people break from that and mm. every single character like um like we see emily blunt's character she gets sick she ends up in she ends up in hospital and she's suddenly not fashionable and she can't be because she's in like a life in like a really serious situation yeah and she can't do fashion so she eats <laughs> like yeah. that's it yeah. and we like when miranda's being particularly vulnerable when when her husband's just sort of served the divorce or said that he wants a divorce she's not wearing makeup and she she's still you know it's still helen mirren she's still very glamorous not helen mirren <laughs> no, not helen. True. this is not helen mirren <laughs> 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 helen <laughs> think a lot about helen mirren i think <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. In my head, they are just they—they they are two sides yeah. of the same coin. Yeah, they are. It's so fun. <laughs> so fun. Um, yeah, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, she looks—you know—she looks vulnerable, but it's like, oh, she's not wearing makeup. She's—and it's like if you saw a man not wearing makeup in one scene and then not wearing makeup, in another, like you wouldn't be like, oh, he's yeah. suffering. Yeah, yeah. But that's that, her, that's her walls are down. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's her, her. I had a friend that always described wearing makeup as war paint. Mm. Yeah, like, that's right. That's her, her war paint is gone. I love that scene. And again, there's another scene where I think Meryl Streep was the one that decided to do it with no makeup. Mm. And it is so important to, because that scene would hit differently. It would land differently if she was still, if she still looked like Miranda Priestley. It right. would feel different. And, that's absolutely right. And it is like her worst moment. And her like the worst moment 
arguably of her li- that we know of of her life. Mm. Right. Like, she's such a high, highly strong, highly powered, highly controlling person. Suddenly, like the bit of her life that she can't control is l- left. It's gone. <laughs> she becomes a, a person for like a moment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And you didn't then, play third, Mikey. And then it. Yeah, she moves on so quickly. Mm. Yeah. She sits there so quietly and so serenely in that moment of just like, this is how it is now. And then she, mm-hmm. and like, uh, uh, Andy's like, is there anything you need? Is there anything to do? Because what a person should be doing is having emotions and crying and reacting. And she's just like, no, I'm fine. We need to get onwards. Well, she's just like, what? Um, uh, she, and Andy's like, oh, what do you want me? To like, what do you want me to do, or what, what can I do to help? And she's like, "Your job, do your job." Yeah, who's get on with it? Yeah, it's. I mean, and she has to sit there, and she doesn't even want to cancel her evening. Yeah, I'd be like, "Do you want me to book you a flight home? Do you want to be with your children, or you know, speak to your lot? Just anything except work." It's so weird yeah. that that this work is trumps everything, even personal disaster. And that's America. <laughs> that's capitalism. Uh, it, it kind of feels like she uses work to escape that at that moment, where she's just like, I yeah, need to There is get on with definitely it. that side of it. It's like, keep keep calm, carry on kind of side of... Yeah. Because yeah. if she... Like it says at the end, if she isn't doing that job, the company will fall apart. And it won't. Like, it just won't. Because that's that she's not the only person on the planet that can do that job. She's not the only person no. that's gone through all of that. But and it's like, the only way she can justify her behaviour. Yeah. And the proof that she's not the only person that's gone through that is because currently, that's what Andy's going through. Like, mm. it's standard for that industry. <laughs> her life is standard, not unique. And she's put that much pressure on herself to 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 be completely perfect. That when something goes wrong, she kind of has to go, and... I will move on. Yeah, as if it's part of it's all part of the plan. Yeah, and the well, it's like that part of the plan doesn't affect her job, mm. so it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if her life falls apart as long as the magazine's still running. And if she holds herself to this incredibly high and unachievable and un unbalanced thing, then she can hold everyone else to that standard. Yeah, and anything less than isn't good enough. Yeah. Whereas if I met, if my manager was that intense, I'd be like, well, I mean, that's your decision. That's that. That's your that. Like, it's It's your your choice. choice, But in my opinion, that's a very bad one that I am not going to follow you up on. (laughs) This is your problem. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you need therapy, and like a month off minimum. Miranda Priestly really needs therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine being the therapist. That would be awful but oh, she God, needs so, I mean, just like where do you even start <laughs> <laughs> i was turned down from therapy white they said it was just too much to deal with <laughs> yeah so you end up with this chain like your therapist has a therapist who has a therapist who has yeah. a therapist and like between the six of you you just about managed to make her you know not cry yeah and she's fine or like, able to fine. cry yeah. even god yeah and even at the end when she, her life is her career is looks like it's about to topple because someone wants to move her on and get a new editor because of like and another because she's that old. she isn't the only person that can do it 
Desi, like, Runway France, hmm. the editor of Runway France, is another person doing her exact job. Like, she's clearly not the only person that can do it, and that's probably really scary to her, because that's who's going to replace her. And If she loses her job, ultimately, what has she got left? She's made she's... It's her entire identity. Yeah, it is. A... It's also like, if Anna Wintour loses her job at Vogue, she can get another job. She doesn't need to. She can get another job. <laughs> she can walk into any any journalistic uh, environment and get a job as a as a, an editor. Just the connection she has. Well, just do some consultancy work. <laughs> just retire? freelance. Retire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just retire. Get a hobby. Like, yeah, <laughs> do a TED talk. <laughs> What would her hobby be? What would Miranda Priestley's like key Fabulous hobby be? Question. You see, because I'm confusing her with Helen Mirren. I'm thinking of Red, where she's a British assassin. But um... <laughs> I love that that crossover that we all want. Um, I think she'd get into like crochet. I think yeah. that'd be, but it would be like elaborate and fancy, and she'd have an Instagram for it. <laughs> I, I think she'd be uh, making fashion, but for like uh, like dolls' houses, dolls. Like yeah, miniature fashion. Do <laughs> you reckon it would get weird? You'd yeah. be like, that's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, I feel okay. like I she'd struggle to not be it. super intense. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't think she's going to do anything. I think she's going to buy stuff to watch, like a sports team or horses. Or, oh, yeah, horses is know. a good one. You can sink a lot of time and money into horses. Yeah. Um, buy some for you. Maybe, yeah. you know, pay attention to her children because they're no. quite young. No. <laughs> no, she does one good thing for them throughout the film oh. where she's directly involved. Oh, getting, the, getting the, them the Harry Potter book? Yeah. Yeah. Early. Impossible standard of getting a Harry Potter book that's not been released yet. I mean that was that was serious shit though. Like I yeah. remember cute Harry Potter books. Yeah. It, it, that aged this film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back when we <laughs> thought it was good, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. it's uh yeah, essentially, if you haven't, she asked Andy to find uh, two copies of the manuscript. She, of Harry Potter. published manuscript of the next Harry Potter the, book. The like, final it? one as well. Is it the final yeah, one? Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if, if it said. But... That, yeah, they've read that one. They know what happens. They want to know what happens next. Because she wants to get Andy fired. She wants like a reason to fire yeah, Andy. It's an, it's, and it's, she does say, like, if you can't do this, don't bother coming. Mm-hmm. Like, don't yeah. come back. Which you know in England would be sort of be grounds for a bit of a, a yeah, bit of a labour trial, employment that. tribunal kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, I don't know. Our, our work regulations really? aren't that good. No, you normally if you work somewhere for two years, you tend to get a bit more protection, and ACAS gets involved. But after before that, it's if you can prove if it. you can prove it's that if they discriminated against you. Yeah. Um. It you can go to the court, go to court, and they have to um give you a lot of money. As in, pay you, pay you for all the time that they should have employed you, and more until you find another job. Yeah. Wow. Um, So it's, yeah, it's it's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really good at getting a new job after like 18 months, though. So it's not something I've ever really. Yeah. There's also that. If and if it's before two years, and it's yeah, if it's a protected characteristic, because we're dead keen on them in the UK. Like they can't fire you because you're pregnant or because you're, you know, an ethnic minority or disabled or you can't if you get hurt and can't do your job anymore. Yeah, 
Um, they have to That's find true you something in the US, else. except they can hire you if you get hurt. <laughs> Which is in crazy because that's their yeah. job that's their their job as a company is to make sure you don't get hurt doing your job they're like sorry you've gotten hurt and have to pay for the uh to get better so we're gonna cut off your money <laughs> goodbye yeah and your insurance is also tied to your job yeah. yeah yeah um saying that i lost my job when i got hit by a car yeah, oh, <laughs> that yeah. <was> fun. <laughs> we have those protections companies will work out how to get around them mm. Yeah, uh, it's very frustrating. To be fair, I'd done. I, I hadn't actually started yet. I'd done yeah. two training days. Didn't didn't quite count, unfortunately. Not that I'm bitter about that <laughs> at all. It's fine. What a um, bummer. Yeah. Well, yeah, bad time. Not the worst thing that happened that day. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real. I remember it was a. It was a real kick me while I'm down. Not gonna yeah. uh, literally. Yeah. Uh, but you know, whatever. I got another job in the end, didn't I? And yeah. it all it all worked out. But I, yeah, much yeah. much better job, really. So it's it's yeah, fine. It, this film's fascinating. It's it's a really good one to rewatch. I think. Yeah. Because every, I'd forgotten so much about the. I remember the overall plot, and I remembered the Miranda character and Andy's character but the side the the yeah the fat phobia the they're like the homophobia a a little bit as well like the stereotypes in it are pretty you know stereotypical (laughs) um they're in there for a 2006 movie it it could have been a lot worse yes um (laughs) it really could have been a lot worse but it's uh it's still not 100 you know it's not ideal but yeah it captures the excesses of American culture before the 2008 financial crash. It's yeah. really amazingly. It's it's such a time capsule in that way. Is it like the? Do you reckon? What do you reckon? Like, what do you reckon makes that so like obvious in the film? Like, I don't know. I just feel like after <laughs> 2008 was just such chaos. I guess it's the the you know when I think of 2006 2007, I think of just like all just there was so much like glitz and glamour to it. Like money was cheap and. You could have a movie that had a million dollar costume budget and people would go to the movies and see it. And, you yeah. know, like, yeah. um, it just was a lot. All the money it, was moving. And I think it you can feels see really glamorous. Movie. Yeah, it's really yeah. glamorous. Just the, obviously, with the, the fashion, but also the buildings are gorgeous. The, you know, the cars, her friends are like successful in their fields, which is mad that how, how much shit they give Andy when one of them is a photographer. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. surely she had to do her time as well. <laughs> She's been doing work. Like, is... why is <sighs> was this but, filmed yeah. in New York? Um, certainly, uh, uh, you know, certainly the streets scenes yeah. were, I'm sure. Um, and then probably uh, 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 there's lots of sound stages in New York City, and yeah. I'm imagining that's what, probably what they did. It feels like filming in New York is very expensive. Because now, like, they mostly film in, like, Canada or in, like, New Zealand, where it's slightly cheaper. Yeah, Yeah, a a lot of states in the U.S. compete to be, like, more favorable to for um, film crews. You know, everyone wants to get it. Um, we just, we just go to Ireland, I think, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we used, England used to have, like, the U.K. used to have a really good system for filming, where it mm. was, like, subsidized by the lottery and... And we had mm-hmm. a lot of like massive tax breaks for using UK crews and filming in the UK. And then mm-hmm. there was a, a government, particularly 13 years ago, that got rid of it. 
Now that government's still in power, but <laughs> yeah. and it's not <laughs> so got it, better. It like... <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, they haven't fixed it any of it. But yeah, we used to have that, and and it's gone. But now, like filming in London is really expensive, so no one does it apart from in studios. But yeah, this film just it does it drips in excess, hmm. and everything is perfect in it. Yeah, um, it's very glossy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, you, time... you don't get any sense that like they are worried that people won't buy the clothes or something. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, yeah. the magazine is not struggling. Yeah, no. it isn't. You know, Miranda's got to work this hard, otherwise, you know, fashion is going to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the stakes are just me. not that high. <laughs> After the recession of 2008 and the digital yeah. revolution, I mean, they were worried about people buying Vogue magazine, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is actually really interesting. I've never, I never thought about that whilst watching it. Is in, like, they're never... The worry that the company's going to fall apart is com- strictly from a management position. Mm, yeah. Like, if it's mismanaged, it'll... it'll if, if, it, if it's mismanaged, no one will buy the magazine because the magazine is bad and the company will fail. It's never on, nobody wants to buy the magazine, so nobody's going to buy the magazine. Yeah, yeah. or no one can afford to buy a $7 magazine. Yeah. It's so... These same characters, four years later, they are shitting their pants because nobody <laughs> wants to buy the magazine because it's all <laughs> online and, yeah. you know. Yeah. All the advertisers are pulling out because what's the point of paying to, yeah. you know, have the center fold of Vogue when you can, you know, you buy know, ad space on I Google? I want to see Miranda Priestley dealing with that in 2009, 2010. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It would have been a great sequel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would have been a completely different film. It would have been a. About... Like The Devil Wears Primark. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the people that have to go to Anna Wintour and be like, okay, so we, we need to make TikTok content? Uh, you know, like. <laughs> the worst part is, you know, people have done that because she's there are TikToks with her in. And she's done YouTube videos. <laughs> like it has a very robust YouTube channel. Like somebody yeah. figured it out. Um, but like you, you, uh, they, they definitely went. I mean, companies like Vogue have the her entire job, the entire job that that like Anna Winter and Ren, Ren Parisi has is looking at what's going to happen and looking on how to do. It. Like that's their job is to have foresight. Yeah, and like kind of control the culture. So yeah, it okay. well, completely makes sense that someone would have been like, YouTube looks like it's going to be big. <laughs> but the idea of like, I got, I watched, I saw a video because I was looking stuff up about this film. I saw the video of like, Anna Wintour talks about fashion throughout the years on a YouTube video. And like, that wouldn't have been a thought in someone's head in 2006. No. Why would she debase no. herself making yeah. a video? This was underneath, to make a video, not even like for Vogue. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was for a different channel that did that as, like, a series. Yeah. Like, why would she lower herself to making a YouTube video? <laughs> that would be such a good scene. Miranda Priestley, like, trying to film her first YouTube video. I mean, <laughs> I would watch it all day. Yeah. I Because she would, she'd come in, sit down, talk for ten minutes and leave. Because she's got yeah. stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Or Stanley Tucci would look at the camera people and be like, you got it? And they're like trembling, yeah. you know, they're like, oh. like can we take that again, please? Like, no. yeah. She tells Andy to organize the next YouTube video. Like, <laughs> get the get the, the people in. 
get the social media man. Uh, the idea of Miranda Priestly talking to a social media manager is hilarious. Hmm. This is money, guys. We figured out a good money idea. Uh, great. To <laughs> well, that's that's what like, we'll use all of our Patreon money for this week. <laughs> yeah. This this post is for Facebook. This one is for Instagram. We don't use Twitter anymore. <laughs> it's not a good look for the company. <laughs> if you had to rate it out of ten, where do you feel like this this lies now for you? You know, I'm mixed on it. I think for the the craft of movie making, the craft of storytelling, I still rate it quite high. I think the script is like an eight. Um, and but for sort of like and as a time capsule, I think it's a really great time capsule for like what was important to uh, American culture at this time. So I, I rate it quite high for its um, merits and for its faults. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I I still had an absolutely amazing time watching this film. Even the yeah, it was even the the things that don't hold up were still interesting in the way they didn't hold up. It was you know thought provoking, not necessarily in a great way, but like the way it, it made me think like okay, so this has changed, but also it, disappointingly, this attitude hasn't changed. And yeah. This, yeah, it was like okay, there's there's a lot. For a film that's essentially supposed to be about fashion, it's about so much. And, mm. um, oh, it's hard to not sound like an arsehole talking about it in that <laughs> sort of, at that, you know, at, a, <laughs> at that level. But I can see, like, yeah, it's such an efficient, tight story, but it manages to really cover so, so much that it's, it's entertaining and it holds, it holds up to like, yeah. It it's not too long, which is always nice because that's you know you know that if it was made these days it would be a three part movie yeah. with you know two hours a set and um, a mini series. Oh yeah, yeah. The Devil wears Miniser- Prada. The Devil wears Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> the Devil um, wears franchise. Yes. Yes. The, the de- oh yeah. The, the Devil wears universe. D- DWU. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I, in my head, I've been shortening this to DWP. Um, which yeah. is the, the the Department for Work and Pensions, yes. <laughs> um, which is somewhat less glamorous. No, that's what the, <laughs> Miranda the... Priestley. Okay, she's moved to England. Bogus <laughs> <laughs> shut down, and she's at the job centre. But imagine <laughs> like managing the DWP in the way that Miranda Priestley <laughs> managing pension funds in the way that Miranda Priestley <laughs> runs. Runway. Yeah, I'd I'd agree that like yeah, eight. That's all. Um, is yeah, it's where I feel this movie is because yeah, it 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 has to lose a couple of points for just you know the Emily Blunt's cheese diet and um Mm -hmm. that side that that ickiness and the the smarmy kind of relationships that are foisted in because you cannot possibly have a movie with a woman as the main character and not have a romantic interest. Just Mm -hmm. not allowed. But it's still, yeah, it's a great time. And I, I really enjoyed rewatching because it has been, oh, I want to say at least five, maybe 10 years. I can't, I, I think Jim had watched it at some point. So I'd seen bits of it. But yeah. I, um, yeah, I never, I hadn't sat down to properly watch it. And I, I had a really good time. And I really enjoyed the, um, yeah, the whole, this, this side of New York that felt quite magical. And that, that first job kind of, that first big girl job hmm. is a really exciting time in your life. Mm. Um, well, you went and ruined it, and said that that's not what New York is like. Let us have that. <laughs> <laughs> Let us have that dream. 
I'm working in a big office with a big like elevator in it, yeah. and you can and oh, doormen and security and a few codes. Other big offices. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> we dream well, big. That, you can tell we're, we're like flyers. <laughs> oh, can you imagine having an elevator in your office? <laughs> oh man, the elevator in my first, my first, my first job I had. Um, we did have a we we had a lift, but it was what it was in a very old building, and it could just about fit one point five yeah. people. And um, <laughs> yeah, homeless people used to come and wee in it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was what great, was <laughs> glamorous. I don't think that happened at Vogue Runway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Maybe now. Maybe now. Actually, after the financial, <laughs> after crisis, financial crisis. In one of the scenes in the financial crisis film where... Um, They've when, had to fire security and now they keep yeah, on having yeah. to like shoot people out. <laughs> yeah. I think... Oh, I, think yeah, I think also eight, um, eight cerulean jumpers. Um, okay. <laughs> Which is a hideous colour, I just want to say. Cerulean yeah. <laughs> one thing that has not aged particularly well. <laughs> Well, uh, to talk about fashion at that time, teal was huge. Teal is yeah. still huge. Like, yeah. Okay, you can't no, tell. I mean, like but, that, yeah. that light, that light cerulean teal color. Mm. It was in decor. It was in. It was in everything. Yeah. All right. Also, I can't imagine looking at a color and knowing the exact like because the, the mm. difference. Between I mean, you are like, color also, It's not good. I am a little. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, like if anyone's color, not going to get it, Mikey. No offense. I'm also I'm also a graphic designer, so it's going well. Um, You're brave. <laughs> um, I just use very limited colours. But, like, the idea of looking at a colour, a jumper, and being able to be like, that's this exact mm. colour name. Mm. Because they're vague anyway. Like, those colour names are kind of... Unless you have, a like, a colour detector, they're kind of... A, um, Isn't it Pantene? That does the color chart now, like Pantone. The, Pantone, even yeah, Pantene's yeah. the hair and that's shampoo and conditioner. Yeah, um, but I, I also like the idea that she didn't. It, it's not cerulean. She just said that out of like, <laughs> you just say it confidently. Yeah. You can yeah. lie. You just have to lie it, confidently. Yeah. So yeah. when someone says something taupe, and I'm like, sure, sure, okay, absolutely, I agree, definitely taupe. <laughs> it, to be fair, it would have been very different if she went. It's that shade of blue. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have yeah that that particular shade of blue would be like bullshit but the, the confidence she's described cerulean with is it's is, not just it's not just blue it's a light blue <laughs> completely changed the scene <laughs> but yeah it's it's such a good film i haven't seen it for i think i watched it like four years ago got obsessed with it for a little bit because it is such a like an interesting production of it and all that stuff but yeah it's about so much this film and it's definitely worth watching. Nice to have a film we can sink our teeth into. Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't get a lot. <laughs> we mainly watch films from like the late nineties to the mid two thousands. There's a lot of fluff <laughs> at that point because there was money to throw at films. So every film got made. So Dan, this was the first time you saw it, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, would it surprise anyone if I said I'd not seen this before? Um <laughs> Yeah, I had I had not seen this one before. Um, I mean, as I joked about earlier, I did genuinely uh, in my head always mistake this and Bedazzled, which I think has Brendan Fraser in it. And I've also not seen that movie, so you know, <laughs> either, either's fine. Does it have Helen Mirren in it? Because that would be no. Who is it? Uh, no, it's got, I'm not sure. Who's um, beautiful, beautiful woman in it. Um, why can't I think of her name? Oh, you're saying Helen Mirren isn't a beautiful woman? <laughs> 
Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, this is turning into a Helen Mirren hate podcast. <laughs> no, it's just another actress that I always get confused uh, with someone else. It's Elizabeth Hurley, famous for Austin Powers. Yeah. 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 Um, we, need to, we talk about that at some point. Yeah. We have to. <laughs> yeah, eventually. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, so this it was my first time watching it. Um, like I did quite enjoy it. It's probably like... It's probably not one that I would pick out to go, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a movie. I'll really? 30-year-old 30, 30 <laughs> man yeah. not not jumping at the Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, 31-year-old th- now who has uh, one outfit, which is jeans, a T-shirt, and a hoodie, you know. Um, not, you know, like, the fashion, and that was interesting. I, I did quite enjoy it. Like you say, this, the script is really tight, and it is, like, really good character development and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I I did have a good time watching it. I'm glad it's one that I can tick off the how have I not seen that movie list um, now. Um, so yeah, I think I'll rate it seven Dalmatian skins out of ten. <laughs> she <laughs> did because I, I have seen Cruella. Um, she did very have similar Cruella vibes. Yeah. <laughs> she did have. How has Meryl Streep never played Cruella Deville? No, but I mean it was Glenn Close. So, you know, yeah, Glenn Close. I mean, because she. How would you do it better than Glenn Close? That's true. That is true. And I've not seen Cruella, the movie, which I assume isn't Glenn Close. No, it's Emma Stone. It's good. Oh yeah, of course it is. Sorry, but there's, isn't there isn't there a Cruella a Deville equivalent that she works for? Yeah. Yes. Who is? I can't remember. I I can't. <laughs> there's so many. How many years have we been doing this, and we have still never learn any names of anyone the names that's not part of who we are (laughs) that's not our identity as a podcast is remembering things (laughs) you guys want to learn the names of things look them up (laughs) it's emma thompson in that one the one she'd also be quite a good miranda Priestley, i think there's a lot of that oh she's too soft has she got kind eyes no she's she can play me i think she could she's very good yeah I, there's, there is a lot of actresses of that age group and that a year time that are all sort of incredible mm. and at least my brain it kind of interchanges them yeah. not that they're <laughs> at all similar but i'm always like they could they all play the same type imagine the four and they play it, they and it was I, it's sort of you had you had blonde and young yeah. brunette and young preferably with a fringe and then yeah. old and those were like mm. the three women you have in film so in my head like i remember getting like emily blunt and eva green and and hathaway all kind of confused in the various roles they had when i was and i mean like very young yeah, we but, don't do that anymore. No, <laughs> we yeah, no, no. Now I can tell everyone apart flawlessly without any problems at all. Yeah. So yeah, thank yeah. you so much yeah, uh, for bringing this for... to our attention, yeah. and it was an absolute treat to have. I hope we've not. Uh, yeah, well, we've talked about this quite a while now. Yeah, um, yeah sorry, we've kept you for quite a while. <laughs> it's um, it's not. It's really it's interesting to. It's such a fun to have so, such fun to have someone on the podcast that's um, like been like knows more about like New York and the like the area and everything like that as well as rather than like our just our quite closeted british egg yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new look sure looks co- new york's <laughs> <That's> cool from <laughs> here i'm sure all of new york is lovely <laughs> <laughs> no this has been such a thrill i'm so honored it's it's it, your podcast is so um fun and it's so you're, it's you Aww. guys make it so easy to like fall back into you know film nostalgia which is such a you know film is such a specific thing and people love it i love it it's such a thrill to 
had the chat with you. Thank you. Oh, thank so you. much for joining thank us. So sweet. <laughs> thank you. We'll thank add you so that much to our list of compliments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And since I've complimented you, yeah, I do have a bone to pick. What? Oh God! No, go, cut it. Cut uh, it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, oh. What's that? What's that? Oh, oh. Yeah. All of our internet has <laughs> gone down. Sorry. <laughs> no, not for the on-air button. Not to put your bone to pick, but it's a movie I want you to watch if you oh. have not seen it. It's a documentary. Um, it's called Howard. It is on Disney Plus. If you have that, it is a documentary about a man named Howard Ashman, who wrote all of the like rena- Disney Renaissance movies. We've got these two writers, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, and they wrote um, Hercules and Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and oh, wow. Aladdin. And um, I, I listened to you guys' uh, episodes on definitely Hercules, and I was like, they, th- th- those movies are so steeped in American musical theater history. And I think if you saw this documentary, I think a lot more of the movies and the music in them would, would make more sense. Not that they would, didn't make sense to you, but the, the sort of... I'm gonna lie, bits of them didn't make sense to us. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that yeah, we just missed all of the culture stuff. Yeah. Yeah. From it. Those, yeah. those two writers are inc- they're incredible writers. Um and they they oversaw this like blossom of the uh, American musical theater tradition and then they took it to Disney. And those are essentially American musicals, those movies. And and it's a really moving documentary and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it. Yeah, definitely have to check that out, actually. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I will watch it and then never listen to our podcast episodes on Hercules and the Little Mermaid. (laughs) Out of horror for what I had said so judgmentally before. (laughs) Here's us like, isn't Uh, it funny that that guy doesn't understand the fish and the lobster are talking to him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we might have glossed over bits of that. (laughs) Bits of those movies went over our heads. Potentially, like everything. Every, everyone has nostalgia and approaches things from a different way. Like you know, as we've seen, some people think terrible movies are good, and that is fine sometimes. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it, it's also nice to have a guest Both bring a film you. that isn't dreadful. Yes, yeah. we've Michael been quite is. good yeah. recently. Yeah, we've been on a roll, so it's it's good that that's not ended. Yeah, talking about good movies that I pitched to you guys was a movie called Little Shop of Horrors, um, which is a cult classic movie that is a musical, Mm -hmm. and that is the very first musical written by Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. Cool. They go on to write all of the Disney musicals. So if it ever comes into your world, I think you'll. Yeah, definitely. So maybe we should watch this documentary and maybe invite you back for Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like a good. Anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk to you about musical theatre again until I've seen the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very scared now of how like uncultured I sound. No, no. Listen, the American musical is the only like piece of like theatre like America's only unique contribution to the global ancient art of theatre is the American musical. You know. That's fascinating. Anyway, that in itself is quite yeah fascinating. With with that incredibly yeah. insightful knowledge, um, <laughs> I have been Dan. <laughs> I have been Michael. I've been Helena. I have been Molly, and I hope to continue to be. <laughs> we we and hope where... so too. Yeah. Where where can people find you, uh, Molly, online? You can find me on TikTok at Strange Capers. I'm over there eating food and discerning. Weird Britishisms. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. It's a yeah. I'm sending off my passport soon and I'm a bit like nervous about it. And I remember, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned if, that. I've seen a video I, I made. I had to renew my passport and I found myself without a passport for a month in a country that's I'm not a citizen of. Terrifying. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find this podcast on social media, including TikTok at Hilton Pod. That's at H I L T M Pod. Uh, we do sometimes post little clips uh, on TikTok. We'll try and do that more. You know, it might yeah. help. You know, we're inspired. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, yeah. You can uh, join our Discord as well if you want to come and chat to us. Let us know what you thought about the Devil Wears Prada. Um, can yeah. you tell the that difference between the two belts? You know, all that sort of. Thing. Yeah, can you tell the difference between Helen Mirren and Meryl Streep? <laughs> <laughs> These are the same. Oh, don't worry. Just oh, I, know crazy how, uh, I know how I'm advertising this episode now. I'm going to edit that picture <laughs> to be those two. <laughs> yeah. uh, we um, also have a Patreon where you can support the show. Um, helps us keep running and be able to watch the movies and everything yeah. like that. Um, what special thing are we doing for the Patreon this week? So this is going to take a lot. This might be one of our more expensive Patreon devotions. We are going to build a fashion magazine <laughs> oh, okay. as a company. Nice. Um, that is bold in 2024. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a challenge because that's just the start. From that point, we're going to build up until one of us shows the credentials of being a Miranda Priestley and being able to go look after that job. And then we're going to find hire a load of assistants until we find one that needs that push into the world of... <laughs> Of industry, we're going to find an Andy. That's what we're going to do? It's going to it's going to take a lot of time. So if you're investing, you're investing long term into yeah, the getting on the ground floor. Getting on the ground floor. You're not, to be clear, not investing in the fashion magazine that we are. Three people that do not know anything about fashion making. Excuse no, you. You're you're uh, investing. Okay, in no one rushed to my defence there. That's no, absolutely no, no, no. fine. <laughs> You're investing in the concept of us hiring an Andy at some point in the future. <laughs> and breaking her. <laughs> and emotionally breaking her. Uh, one of us is going to have to sit in a living room whilst we get divorced with no makeup on. Now, for two of us, that's very easy. <laughs> it's very unnoticeable. <laughs> As I'm the only one who wears makeup and is married. I'm starting to feel quite concerned. It doesn't have to be you. It just means that if... Oh, okay. If Good! Happen, me and Dan have to get married. Not to each other. Um, although that would save time. <laughs> yeah, that might be what, like yeah. What's the if we if we really put a put a smart goal on this and get yeah. the get the time frame set, you guys might have to get hitched. <laughs> yeah. Um, In which case, the Patreon money will have to go to a wedding. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. not, it's going to take so much. So if you have a if you want to give us the Patreon money, <laughs> like to give us like now is the time to do it. <laughs> now is the time to do it. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! End the podcast. I know. I know. Are they are they screaming? Can you hear the cat? Very, very oh was it a cat? <laughs> it's the cat. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's I assumed cat. it was the child. <laughs> <laughs> um is it is it I'm happy that can you hear it? Like should I let me go let me go move her should I go move her into a different room? It, it absolutely fine. doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, she's it. out she's outside the room, she's just mad. Um, <laughs> it's okay. She's yeah. a cat. <laughs> <laughs>
Being oh, I remember when Jess took down the shelf while yeah. we were recording. Yeah, yeah. I, ha- I have it's a lot of Lego and my cat decided that in the middle of a recording, oh. the best place to be would be on top of that shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just hear a lot of smashing. <laughs> There's too many heartbeats in this house that I'm in charge of. There's just too oh. many. <laughs> yeah. oh, anyway, very sweet of you. you in charge of the cat. <laughs> but it's not the other way around. I was going to say you're it's a really right. nice Helen. way of putting it, but. <laughs> yeah. no, Helena, you're correct. 